Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chan. We're just two friends encouraging one another to seek God. It's important to point out with our title, we're not suggesting that we ask better questions than other people are asking. We're wanting to improve the questions that we ask. It's important to keep learning and growing, and that involves asking better questions, and that'll never end in our journey with God. If you're listening and you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. Awesome. So, Pastor John, yeah, how have you been coping with having no spots at the moment? Well, I think there's two parts to that question. Number one is the TV side of things. I love watching sport. And uh, I think that would be, out of anything I watch on TV, sport would probably be my favourite. Uh, but also, I like playing sport. And at the moment, uh, I can't do that either. So I'm sort of starting to not just be the couch potato that's not getting enough exercise, but I'm also not uh, not getting enough sport to watch either. So I think I'm missing it on both fronts, but it, it's quite difficult in a season when there's less that you're allowed to do to have some of your favourite things taken away. And so there's less to do again. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's been the same for me. Um, I actually miss just hanging out with friends and turning the TV on, watching the cricket or soccer, whatever is going on. And it, at the moment, it's just been so painful not to have any sports entertainment in our life. Yeah. And I've been watching some of the crazy things that has been going around the world, crazy kind of sports that I didn't know existed. And I've been watching them just for a bit of fun. <laughs> uh, but it's... Uh, <laughs> But it's been uh, really good in a way. But yes, I definitely love playing sports as well. And I miss that. And yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Well, how about we jump into our first segment that we like to do. It's called Random Scripture. This is where we flip the Bible to a random page and read a few verses that catch our eye on that page. Then we'll have a discussion about the verses there. And we'll let the discussion take on a life of its own. So we believe God can speak to anyone from any scripture at any moment. So for your sake, we don't want to just get stuck on our favorite verses. We want to give you a little bit of variety. And so this is one of the ways we're going to do that. So I've got the scripture today. I'm going to be uh, flipping over in my Bible. And I'm going to close it first because I had it open to a different passage already. And uh, here we go. We have Luke chapter 10 and starting at verse 25. Again, I've uh, started with the title, and so I'm going to miss the key part of the story. But here we go. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. There we go. So that's Luke chapter 10. Verses 25 to 27. Yeah, what amazing verse. It's one of the verses that I love. It's one of the verses that gets quoted a lot. Yeah. That this is the, you know, the greatest commandments that we should love our God with everything we have got and also love our neighbors. And I love this um, passage, you know, someone just comes in and starts to test Jesus here. And he asks this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he came to test Jesus here, so he already knew the answer. And the fact that Jesus actually asked the question back to him was pretty cool. And then he answered. And he didn't even have to answer for himself. 
and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and so we see also that the answer that he's given lines up with the answer that Jesus gives when the question is asked, what's the most important law? He's actually given the same answer. And so whether this is a school of thought that they've both uh, been trained in, and so that's the uh, one of the public views they've had, uh, where they've both been trained in a similar way, or whether they've both uh, independently come up with this idea of themselves isn't made explicitly clear in the text. But it seems like they've both been from the same school of training, and they've both come from that area where where God is the focus of the scripture. And whenever you encounter God, he sends you to love people. Yeah. And just the fact that love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. I just thought, wow, there's so many ways we, we have to love God. And it's not just, oh yeah, here's a part of my life, God, and I love you. It, it says, with all, everything that we have got, we are meant to love God. Everything um, that we're capable of, with all our strength, with our thoughts, we need to be loving God. Yeah. Yeah, and so obviously the this statement has been taken from the commandments. And the love your neighbor as yourself is taken from a slightly more obscure reference in the Old Testament in the law books. Uh, but the idea of putting these together... The whole concept of this is everything we have and everything we are is God's first. That's that's a big challenge. And when I hear it, uh, you know, when I first read it out, even it wasn't something that jumped out and it grabbed me. And over the years, there's been times where I've really looked at that and gone, do I really love him that much? Do I really love him with all of that? And I think when I just read it then, I fell into the trap of reading it as a scripture that I know. And it wasn't until you pointed out how big that is and how many ways there are to love him that it sort of sunk back into me again. Oh, hang on a second. Am I doing that? And it, and again, it comes yeah. with that heavy weight to say, I don't know that there's ever been a point in my life where I could genuinely say that I've fully lived up to that statement. Can I just say this? Love is hard. Love is not an easy thing. We have this feeling like we fall in love with people and Love is all great, but this requires a different level of love. This requires with everything. And it's, it's such a big thing in our life that we are constantly walking towards this thing. Yeah. And I believe as, as Christians, as we serve God, and this is what it means to become like Christ. We're walking towards it. And one of the things is about loving and loving God and loving people like Jesus loved God and he loved people. Yeah. So it's a very hard thing, but it is achievable. It is doable. And like you said, it's really hard to remember one point of your life where with everything you just love God. You know, there has been moments in my life where I'm just so in love with God. And right now I'm I'm so in love with God. And but then I think about it that am I actually loving God with everything I've got, like the scripture says? Probably not. There's some things in my life that are not right with God. And I just want to point out that it is a big challenge to us to love God the way the scripture talks us to us about. And it's a walk in progress. So don't feel like if you don't love God like this, then you're a failure that you don't know love. It's a process. And we need to be mindful of that. 
And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And how much do you love yourself? That's another question we should be asking. As myself, like, do I really love myself? And for some people, they, they look at themselves, maybe I don't love myself that much. Maybe I, I've got issues going on. Maybe I don't have that um, self-esteem in my life. Maybe I'm not that good looking. Or maybe I'm too fat. Maybe there's all these things that are going to in your mind that, you know what, I actually don't love myself. And I believe God teaches us to love ourselves as we love God. And then we can go love other people. Yeah, and it definitely makes a difference the way we view ourselves. You know, a lot of the times that we see in the scripture that people are doing amazing things for people, it comes out of that knowledge of who they are in God as well. And so I think there is a lot of value in in actually being more settled, more comfortable, more realistic with who we are so that we can reach out to others. I think also, like if you read forward further on into this passage, you see at first... Jesus hears this young man's answer and says, that's fantastic. You're on the right track. Keep going. And then it says the guy wants to justify himself. And so he tries to trap Jesus a little bit more and it ends up going all sorts of pear shaped for him. And so where Jesus was saying, yeah, good on you. Well done. Keep going that way. All of a sudden at the end of the story, he's left with this impossibility in front of him where there's no way he feels like he can live up to what Jesus has put on him. And mm. I think within this, it's it's always a goal to grow, to be more like Jesus. It's always a goal to become more righteous, to live up to the calling that he's given us. But the trap of comparing ourselves to others is always there. And this yeah. guy fell into that trap. Once pride got in, it wasn't good enough for him to be right and to be on the right track. He wanted to be better than his neighbor. And that actually goes completely against the original statement that he's made that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's trying to justify, who do I have to love? And Jesus is saying, you have to love everyone. That's, that's who God is. God loves everyone. That's the way he made you to love everyone. And you made the statement earlier that this is possible. Uh, I kind of agree with that and I kind of don't. If we want to try to measure and say are we up to the standard and compare ourselves there is no way that we can live up to this but at the same time it is the call that we've given and it is an impossible call which requires us to have god's power enable us to do it that's the grace of god the grace of god often gets talked about as the thing that means that we don't get in trouble for doing the wrong thing but the grace of god is actually the thing that helps us to do the right thing it helps us to love. It helps us to achieve something that we couldn't have achieved if it wasn't for the power of God in our life. Yeah. Awesome. Shane, I'm really enjoying this segment where we flip the scripture and have a bit of a chat about it. I love the idea that it sort of puts you on the spot and you don't know what to expect and you just sort of get to unpack it in a conversational style. I really enjoy that. So I reckon we'll keep that segment. What do you think? I think that's great. I actually really enjoy just finding a random thing and... See what God actually has for us. And I believe every time it's a great revelation of God. And he, he's, he must be speaking to us and speaking to other people through this. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, let's, let's believe that God's going to speak both to us and to our listeners. And if anything in this section speaks to you, wherever you're listening from, uh, 
we'd love to hear about it and chuck us a comment or a message and that'd be fantastic. So how about we move on to the next segment, which is the key question. So Shane, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible where the disciples come to Jesus and they, t- they ask him, teach us how to pray like John taught yes. his disciples how to pray. And so I guess for me, the question that that struck for me was how do we pray and is there someone that we have that can speak into that, that we would ask for advice on on how to pray? So um, the first part of that is how do we pray? How would you define prayer at, at its most basic? I believe prayer is just a conversation with God. And it's just like a conversation between you would have with your friend, with your family, anyone around you. So God has given us this great, great gift to have conversation with other people. And it goes same towards God. So basically prayer is us talking with God, building a relationship with God, just like we would do with a friend or our family or whoever that is in your life that is important. It's just the same thing. So prayer is basically, I would describe it as a conversation between you and God. Yeah, so you've given some examples there of different types of people that we might have a conversation with or a relationship with. The Bible throughout the scripture gives us examples of that where it actually describes marriage as a picture that God gave us to explain the relationship that he wants with us. We see that quite a few spots in scripture, mostly the one we refer to would be in Ephesians, where it's it's very clear that marriage is a picture of the relationship that God wants with us. And so what we learn from marriage should then translate into what we should understand about our relationship with God as well. Yes. So you, you've defined it there as a conversation. I know when I have a conversation with my wife, there's a few different aspects to that conversation that happens. So part of the conversation is I'm telling her things that are interesting to me. Part of the conversation is I'm listening to what's on her heart at that time. Well, at least I'm supposed to be listening to what's on her heart. There's no TV, there's no sport on TV at the moment, so I'm doing a little bit better at that. Um, And then there's this exchange where both of us then start to understand, and so there's a depth of relationship that's built because we start to understand each other, we're listening to each other, we're caring about what the other person's got to say, and then we're also responding to that in different ways. And I think often we get the temptation come towards us to come to God as though he's like Santa Claus or we bring a shopping list to him. And that's not the way I talk to my wife. Like there are times where I tell her this is what we need and there's times where she says this is what we need. But that's not the foundation of our relationship. The foundation of our relationship is getting to know each other as friends. And so what you're describing, that conversation, I think it's actually a lot simpler than we think when we say, how do we pray? Well, how do you have any other conversation? You learn to speak what's on your heart with with honesty and openness, and you learn to listen to what's on the other person's heart. That's right. And I believe it's it's so important, like you have said, that conversation also goes two ways. And you can't just clap with one hand, and you can't just have conversation with, with just one person speaking. So you need to actually learn how to listen as well as learn how to talk and so it's very 
key and we have discussed in our other podcast how to hear God's voice as a part of um, learning this okay for me to pray to God it's a conversation but I also need to be able to give him opportunity to speak into my life I need to give him an opportunity so for me sometimes I just have going about my business I just have normal conversation like you would have with a regular friend like oh God, how's things going? Sounds like a stupid question, but it's a perfectly okay question to ask. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be about like, you mentioned about Christmas leave. Hey God, this is what I'm going through right now. It doesn't always have to be at the bad times when you really need God the most. It could be, you know, some of your most amazing times that you're having in your life. And prayer is actually one of the things I was told. Prayer is something that is a hard thing to do. It's, it's like, making a sacrifice because you are basically setting aside a time for a person that you can't see. Yeah. So it makes it different, difficult for you to sit down and actually spend time with someone you can't see. In our world, the way we spend time with people is how do we do it? We go out for a coffee with them. We like that personal touch where we can see the person, what their body language is like, how they're talking. We just love to see them and talk to them. And right now, we love to do um, video chats and things like that so that we can see the person we're speaking to. So prayer might become a hard thing when you actually can't see the person you're talking to, especially when you are having difficulty to hear back from him. So it's a journey. It's a process of saying, okay, I'm actually going to set aside some time to speak to God because I'm expecting for him to speak to me. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came down to this earth. So we do have a personal relationship with God so we can talk to him so that we can pray to him and he can answer our prayers and he can talk back to us. Yeah. So if if you had uh, a friend who perhaps um, you could see that they were starting to uh, become cold in their relationship with God or to start to, to head down a life that was sort of destructive. But you knew that they knew God, but you could see that their relationship was, was becoming cold. Um, or maybe even uh, as you look around our nation, you might start to see our nation or something like that. You, you see a larger group who, I mean, obviously at the moment our nation has been turning cold over the last few years. We've, we've seen that quite clearly. What is it that you think that you could do in that moment to try to restore that relationship, to, to try to get people back praying? So I think one of the big things that the Bible talks about, and you can see it, you have this great famous scripture, and I'm sure you know of this, Pastor John, and it is um, actually from... Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So what I would do is I would do exactly that. I would pray for the people. I would call on Jesus' name. I would seek God's face. And I would pray that people would turn away from the path they're going but actually tend to God. And that's the promise that God gives us that He will heal our land. So it is really important part that we should 
repent. Repentance is a big thing. Daniel, who is a character who didn't do anything wrong, he prayed a prayer on behalf of the whole nation and he repented for them. And that's a big thing. Yeah. Like we should be the people who actually goes out and stands. There's there's a couple of examples in the Bible and, and God talks about, I searched the whole land, but I couldn't find one person, one person that would stand there. Yeah, wow. And who would who would humble themselves and repent. And and you see Daniel here, he did. And Daniel verse 9, it says uh, from vo- verse 4 to 6, he, he prayed this prayer. I prayed to to the Lord, and my God, and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, and he keeps his commandments, we have sinned and done nothing wrong. Yeah. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our prince and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. So I would give an example of Daniel. That's that's something that we should be striving to be. Like when God comes to this earth and he looks for people, we don't want to be saying, God doesn't want to see around the wall and says, there's not even one person who's praying. Yeah, and I think wow. it's really important that sometimes we leave things for other people. Oh, he's a pastor. He should be praying. Or oh, he's a man of God. Um, uh, a woman of God, they're the ones who should be praying. I won't pray because I expect other people to be praying. What if those people are not praying? What if God chose you for such a time as this to pray? And so we've got to keep reminding ourselves that, hold on, if there's no one else praying, I want to be that one person who's praying. And so it's it's really, not, it, it might be heavy hitting, but it's actually a really great encouragement because it encourages me. I'm like, Man, when God comes to this earth and he looks for people, I want to be there saying, oh, God looks at me and be like, here's the one who has been praying. And and we shouldn't expect other people to pray for us. So to, you know, just, just to sum up your question, like we should be people who goes before other people, be the intercessors, be people of prayer, and stand for them and pray for them and pray for our nation. Pray that they will seek the face of God. And and you'll see some amazing things happen when we start doing that. Yeah, it's interesting that when Jesus got angry, we, we don't see extreme moments in in his life much in the Gospels. But we see this one moment where he just gets really angry and he goes into the temple and he drives out all the money changers. And there's a whole backstory to that and, and it's worth looking into the history of it. But the thing that he's that he's saying in that moment of anger is, my father's house should be called a house of prayer. And yes. I, I know this one convicts me because out of all of the spiritual disciplines, probably prayer is the one that I feel the weakest at. And... And so that I don't feel like I'm a great prayer or I don't feel like I'm particularly skilled in this area, but there's this constant calling to say, actually, it's not just learning about God, it's about knowing God. And mm. you can't know someone from a book. You can't know someone from a song. You can't know someone 
from any of those other ways. The only way you get to know someone is to spend time with them. And yes, those yeah. other things matter. Learning what they're likely to, to be. You know, there was people that I asked questions when I was, uh, you know, I don't know, pursuing uh, my future wife is the right phrase um, <laughs> because it was probably a bit the other way around. But in that time where we were trying to work out what our relationship was going to be and, and where it was going to end up, there was times where I asked people for advice and asked people different questions because I wanted to know things about my future wife before they came up. And so there's yeah. just, you know, there's certain things uh, that you'd like to know if you're trying to buy a gift for someone, what sort of things they like. And if it's your birthday and I ask you what you want for your birthday, it takes a little bit of the edge off the gift. But if I can find out something that you like and give you that, then it means so much more. And so research is great. And knowing about God and finding ways to learn about him is fantastic. But if we don't actually come to him, if we don't meet with him, and you use the phrase, humble ourselves and come to him. And I think a lot of it is that. A lot of the time, it's actually us that gets in the way and says, I've, I've got other things that, that are getting in my way there. And just to say, I'm going to put some things aside like Mary did, and I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to listen to him, as you pointed out earlier. I'm going to share my heart with him. I'm going to be open and real. And and I'm just going to allow myself to be with him. And not to define it by the words that we pray, but to define it by the fact that we're willing to come and be with him. Yeah. You know, I believe prayer should be as normal as breathing. Yeah. Because... There's there's some things in our life like breathing is so natural that it just happens like we don't even think about it. That's how prayer should be like. We don't have to think about prayer. It's just something that we do constantly. So the more we do it, the less we think about it. Since we were born, we have been breathing. So if we start just praying every moment, every chance we get, you'll soon find out that you'll come to a stage where you're just praying and you don't even realize and it becomes as normal as breathing and pastor john said it it can be a struggle when prayer is not your strong point and that's why prayer is so sacrificial it's so hard that you have to really discipline yourself in that way and the more you do it the better you're going to get at it and we, we should be um praying without ceasing we should be praying when you're happy you should be praying when you're sad and it's just great to be able to pray and just spend time with God. It's it's like we need to have that intimacy with God. And you'll realize if you start your day with prayer, your day goes better. When you just commit everything to God. You know, I pray over things that I get in my life. You know, if I if I buy something new, I just dedicate that to God. I'll be like, God, this is yours. Make sure that, you know, it's well taken care of. Make sure that nothing happens to it, no distraction comes to this. You know, I start to pray over things, just household items. Uh, you might have a fridge, you might have a microwave, you might have a toaster. You know, I pray over my toaster. I, God, I pray this toaster makes the best toast that there is out there. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I pray like that. I pray that nothing goes wrong with that. I pray this product lasts for us for a really long time. And it's just, I dedicate those things to God in prayer because I know prayer is powerful. Yeah. God actually listens to our prayer. And I have seen that happen. That's why I pray over everything that I can find. 
if I can find something to lay my hands on, I do that. Because I know what kind of power prayer carries. And when you start praying God, when you see God starts answering those prayers, you would feel like, man, I want to pray about what, is, what else is out there to pray for. And you'll start looking for things to pray for. And, and that's the point we need to come to as Christians that, man, prayer is so wonderful. Prayer is so awesome. If I can pray for a situation and it can change, imagine what else can I pray for that God can make it happen. So yeah. that's the mindset we need to have that prayer is so powerful and it's a powerful weapon we have against the enemy that anything we pray in Jesus' name will happen. And, you know, the uh, word of God says, you know, um, if you tell the mountain to move, it will move. And how is that through? It's through prayer. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So from there, if we look at because uh, the question that the disciples asked, teach us to pray it's one of the few times that jesus seems to give a straight answer to a disciple's question most of the time he either answers a different question that they didn't really ask or you know there's there's a couple of times where they come and say uh lord give us help us to have more faith and he kind of says if you're asking that question you don't understand what faith is and and then he goes into a few examples but this one here he actually stops and says you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to actually answer your question. I'm going to give you a simple thing. And so uh, we have what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is the passage in Luke chapter 11. Uh, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say. And so I'm not going to read that prayer just yet, but this is the account in Luke. And so obviously in Luke, it's a shorter version than the one we normally realize normally recognizes the Lord's Prayer, but he has the shorter version. But then following the example prayer that he gives, he then goes on to tell another story, which we need to cover too. And so the prayer that he prays when he says, this is how you do it, he says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And then he goes on to tell a story, which effectively, if you summarize the story, it means when you come and pray, pray with persistence. And I think that's, that's one of the things that we probably struggle with in our teaching and in our discussions about prayer is the idea that prayer, we feel like, you mentioned the phrase, everything that we pray in his name, that he'll do it. And we feel like then if we mention his name, then instantly something's going to change. And if that doesn't happen, then we start to lose heart on prayer. But Jesus' teaching on prayer was about persistence. It was about the fact that if you come and you pray and nothing happens, then you come again and you pray again. And I know in my heart, I want to say, I want my prayers to honor God. I want to pray the way that God would want me to pray. I want to pray the sort of things that he would pray for. And so yeah. at some stage, if I'm praying a wrong prayer, then I'm hoping, like he did with the Apostle Paul, that he comes to me and he says, I'm not going to do what you're asking. I've got something better. And for the Apostle Paul, that, that great phrase, my grace is sufficient for you, was an answer to say, I'm actually not going to answer the prayer that you're praying. I'm answering a different prayer. I'm, I'm answering something greater, something better. And so this yeah. is what's happening in the middle of it. And I'm hoping when I'm praying, that if I'm praying wrong, that God's going to come and show me so that I can pray better. But at the same time, I don't want to just see, oh, nothing's happening. It must be wrong and give up. Because the, the Bible teaches all through Scripture 
about persistence in prayer. I know there's times where I've prayed for things for, for seven or more years, knowing that it was something God wanted me to pray for, and finally it's happened after that. I've got something that I'm praying for right now that I know God spoke into it, and it's been about 10 years. But you mentioned earlier about Daniel, and he prayed after the prophetic word was given that it was going to be 70 years, and at the end of that, God was going to come and do something if they humble themselves. I think those two scriptures that you read out were both linked together. And Daniel comes, he works out from the prophecies that this is the end of the 70 years, and he prays that great, wonderful, amazing, repentant prayer. It was a lot longer than what you read, but it was just as heavy the whole way through. And in the middle of all of that, he prays, and I think that's the story where he actually prays for consistently, time and time again, and God comes to him and says, or the angel gets sent to him to say, you started praying, and the moment you started praying... The answer was sent, but it was your persistence in prayer that meant the answer was actually able to get to you. And I think a lot of the times we have a, have a uh, tendency to get to that point and give up, to get to that point and say, oh, I've had enough, this is too hard. And I know right now in the middle of this epidemic, there'll be people crying out for things in desperation and not seeming to get a response. And it's really easy when everything piles in on top of you to feel like I just I just need to give up. It's not worth continuing. But the Bible yeah. teaches us to press in, to pray through, and to get to the other side of that. That's right. This is the whole story of um, Jacob wrestling with God. And yeah. he didn't. He said to God, like, I'm not leaving you until you bless me. And that's the attitude we should have. We've we got to see things through. We, we should be, um, because prayer is a battle. Prayer, prayer is something that, needs to be fought for prayer is something that we need to be pressing really hard onto and yes we should be praying according to god yes there's things that we need to be doing in terms of prayer but prayer is a battle and we need to continue to fight that battle we continue to push the boundaries that we have we need to get to that next level of praying and we always you you think you have got it all and there's there's a next level of prayer. There's a next thing to conquer. There's a next level to go through. And like you said, there's been many things on my life that I've been praying for for many years that God has promised. And so you have to keep praying, and and it gotta be continually praying for those things to see a change happen. Yeah. So Pastor John, who did you go to, or who did you ask when you needed to learn how to pray? Yeah, great question. Well, um, obviously, we see in the story the disciples have pointed out that Jesus is, you know, they've asked him to teach them and uh, they've pointed out that John also taught his disciples how to pray. Uh, Part of it is just, you know, we've, we've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast already, both of us grew up in pastors' houses. And so there's a degree yeah. to which spirituality becomes part of the family dynamic. So, Whenever we sat down for a meal, uh, we would always give thanks for the meal. And, uh, you know, one of my memories of that, and, uh, you know, I know my dad hates it whenever I bring up memories of my childhood because he always feels like it's going to be a negative one. Um, But one of my memories, (laughs) which probably fits into that category, but I, I appreciate it now, is every now and again, we would just complain. Why is it my turn? Why do I have to pray? I prayed yesterday. And one of the things that I remember is that if we ever complained, that it wasn't our turn or why do we have to do it again, then 
we would get asked the next day as well. And if we complained again, we'd, ask, we'd get asked the next day. And so it was this thing, don't complain about it because that, that means that you're going to be the one that gets dobbed in. And so there's that, that automatic assumption, you have to pray. And there's the yep. dynamic that's created around that. You know, and there's things, you know, you go to church prayer meetings or you go to different places. But the thing that really shaped me when, uh, in, in my prayer life was when I was in Bible college, I had a friend who, uh, we, I think it was his initiative, but we decided that in the mornings we were going to go, before Bible college, we are going to go for a prayer walk. And so he would uh, come around to my house and he would bash on my window to wake me up. And so then we would go for a walk and we would pray for probably about half an hour or 40 minutes, and then we'd go to Bible college together. And the thing that uh, that really stood out to me, we'd grown up in very different religious cultures between myself and him, where I'd grown up learning prayer and that being part of my life. He'd grown up in a, a religious but not active Christian home where he kind of had an encounter with God and it changed him and everything sort of lit up. But he came into that relationship with God without all of the preconceived ideas and trainings in what you're supposed to do and how it's supposed to sound. And so he would just come to God real. And there was no pretense. There was no shaping around it. There was no covering up what's in my heart so that I can be more presentable to God. And I just remember we would be walking along praying. And as he's praying and pouring his help hard out before God, there would be actually be swear words that would come out in his prayers. And mm -hmm. I remember at first when that happened, I was so shocked because you can't swear at God. You can't swear around God. You know, like that's, that's one of the big no-nos. That's an obvious one. You can't do that. But as I sort of watched what was going on, I actually became incredibly jealous of how real his conversation with God was because yeah, it was wow. just so unguarded and it was just so raw that his whole heart was exposed before God. And I remember yeah, wow. walking along with him and praying, listening to his prayers and sharing my own. And he probably at the time would have said I was better at praying than him. But I remember just becoming so jealous of how real his prayers were. And I then spent probably the next couple of years trying to work out how to be that real with God. I, I don't reckon I've really even worked it out, maybe for another 10 years, where I could just, with all of my heart, sort of almost let everything out and say, God, this is where I'm at. And even be a little bit angry in my prayer, a little bit let it, my emotions boil up somehow in my prayer. Up until then, it was always reserved and calculated, and these are the things you should say, and these are the things you shouldn't say. But meeting with that guy on the way to Bible college every day, probably for a period of about six months, and it just changed my perception of who it is that can come before God. It's not the religious yeah, person wow. who knows how to pray and who does it so eloquently, whose prayer God accepts. Jesus actually gives an example of this where he says, when you pray, don't be like the, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, who stand on the corner with their lots of words and their elegant prayers and they sound wonderful. Be more like this guy over here who just falls on his knees and cries out to God and says, God, I'm a wretched sinner. Come and meet me where I am. And That's right. And that there, it, it, like I can see it all through Scripture, but I think we get into this, this polished routine and we need something to break us out and say, let's make this real. Let's actually have a heart-to-heart. -heart. 
if I only ever have a conversation with my wife that's scripted, or if I only ever have a conversation with my wife where because it's the 28th of April, this is the conversation we have to have, these are the things I need to say, then our relationship is not going to work. It's not going to be real. It's not going to be healthy. It needs to be from the heart. We need to have a heart connection. Mm. And you can't do that with polish. You have to do that by letting the raw truth of what's in your heart come out. And so for me, those conversations during that time in Bible college, that would be the time where I probably could say I learnt the most about prayer. Yeah, wow. I would say for me, it was just listening to music, just worshipping God and to be real with Him. So when I started listening to music, I would turn my volume like high. So when I'm actually speaking, I can't actually hear myself. That's how loud I, I would be. And I would just let it out because I know I'm about to say some stuff that I probably shouldn't say to God. <laughs> and that's what I felt like. So I tried to drown myself out because I know it's about to get real. And that's that's just how I learned how to be just real with God. Wow. That, okay. I don't I don't really like what I'm saying to God, but I would rather be real with God than, you know, just hide stuff in my heart. Because yes, God can search my heart. He knows everything that's going inside. But it's just so much better when you actually have a conversation with him about it. And, you know, once I start doing that, then I start to lower the volume down. Then I know that, hey, God is not judging me for what I'm saying. He actually wanted this. He wanted to have this real connection with me. And now that I'm giving it, our relationship is so much better through that. Yeah, well, I think there's going to be a couple of people listening who that piece of advice, which you didn't phrase as advice is going to be the most helpful thing out of all of this, that to overcome their own self-consciousness in the way they present themselves to God, just find a way of drowning out. God will still hear you. Rather than (laughs) bottle it up and keep it inside, there is definitely power in the vocal speaking out to God. With our heart, a man believes, and with his mouth, he confesses. And that conversation, the, the actual using of the mouth to speak the words out is actually a critical part of prayer. And so if you're self-conscious and you struggle because you know what's coming out and you start to think more about that, like Shane said, find a way to just drown yourself out with some loud worship music so that you can just speak freely and you don't have to hear yourself, but you know that God hears you. That's right. And it's actually like a very common thing in the world. Um, It's like when you go through school, there's stuff you say to your friends, but when you're around the teachers, you don't want to say those stuff that you've been saying to your friends, right? I see it as being a pastor, like I would have people around me who if they had a different group of friends, they would speak slightly different to how they speak to me. Yeah. And I I think like that concept has been, you know, all through our lives, like we wouldn't say some of the stuff in front of our parents that we would say, you know, behind their back or with our friends. So God has come down to be your friend. He's he's that person that you can have those conversations with and it's all right. You don't have to look at them. Oh, he's right up there. No, he came down at our level and he wanted to have this relationship with you. So, yes, he's the creator. He's the almighty. He is so big and all of that. But he's actually so real and he wants it to be real personal. And that's where the book of Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible, you see this amazing book which just has raw emotion in it, which, you know, they're written as songs, but most of them genuinely could be described equally well as prayers. 
where, you know, whether it's King David or whether it's someone else that's writing it at the time, they pour out their heart and they're going through some crazy turmoil or maybe they've had an amazing day and they're just wanting to express that. And whatever it is, they just let the raw emotion come out. And I think a lot of the times when I've read the book of Psalms, I've read it thinking, I don't know how people can say this to God. Surely they should watch their tongue. But God's not that easily offended. And so, you know, with my story about my friend from Bible college, I'm not in any way recommending that people swear at God. I'm not saying you should stir that up so that you have the ability to swear at God. But if you can't, if, if that's what's in you, then you need to find a way of letting that out in your conversations with God. And so don't be ashamed of what's inside when you come to God, other than to say, God, this isn't like you. Take it away from me. Change me. Purify me. That's fine to have that conversation. But don't try to hide who you are from God. Don't try to hide and say, I'm not really going through any struggles. And, and I think, you know, the whole self-consciousness of, am I presentable before God? Do I measure up? Am I clean? If you really have a genuine encounter with God, that goes out the window and you say, I know I don't measure up. I know I'm not clean enough to come before God. The only way I can be is if he comes and does it for me. If he comes and cleans me. You know, Isaiah had that great moment where he saw God seated on the throne. And in the middle of that, he looked at himself and said, I should not be here. I'm undone. I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm unclean. And then God came, sent the angel down to, to purify him. And at that moment, he was able to be sent out by God to go and do God's work. And so mm. that moment, don't be ashamed of the fact that we don't measure up. We don't live up to the standard. We don't quite attain to what it is that God should want. Come to him real. Come to him as you are and let him change you. Let him go through the process of purifying you and making you worthy because that's the reason that Jesus came. Yeah. So Shane, earlier on, you mentioned about it can be quite difficult to have a conversation with someone that you can't see. And that's one of the difficulties we face with prayer. Partly, you know, right now we're recording this podcast and I can't see you. I'm not complaining about that. Um, but we, we're quite <laughs> a distance apart and yet we can still have a conversation but it is more awkward when I ask a question and you don't know when my statement's going to finish or things like that because we can't see each other. So how yep. does that distance affect you or, or how do you see it affecting other people when it's time to pray? How do you bridge that gap? So we have this great thing called the Holy Spirit. And one thing we should know about prayer, prayer doesn't have any distance. So if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, how close is that to you? Like, wow, that's actually so close to you. So I believe, you know, prayer that doesn't have any sort of distance. It is so close to you. God is so close to you right now. He can hear you. And he, he is so mighty, so powerful, like we mentioned. And even when you're praying for other people, like I have prayed in my life for people who live across um, into another country. And... They, they have a prayer need and we pray for them and we see miracles happen in their life. And they're like, wow, you prayed for me? And something happened. I prayed for people who needed a miracle in their body and I just prayed. And I said, you know, lay your, your, your hands on your back or your feet wherever it's heading. And they received their healing right there and then. And 
wow, there's so much distance between us, but my prayer didn't actually have a distance. God didn't have a distance. It's like right there and then he did the miracle. So that's amazing. That's really cool um, to know that God is really close to us. So when you're praying, he's not far away from you. He's right there listening to every word you say. Yeah, wow. Thank you, Jesus, for being right here with us. Well, yeah. well, thank you for listening to Asking Better Questions with John and Shane. We'll be here again next week discussing another question. We hope